This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Welcome into the podcast. Obviously, if you're listening to this, uh, you're as disappointed as I am. And uh, we're here at Toyota Center in what was probably one of the most crushing losses, certainly the most crushing loss since uh, Game 7 last year against this very same Warriors team. Uh, Rockets fall 118 to 113 uh, in Game 6 and lose the series four games to two. this is a fairly devastating blow. Obviously, with Kevin Durant out, uh, this was a, a a huge loss for the Rockets. I'm here with MK Bauer. Um, you know him on Twitter at Moisekapenda. Um, he's wearing a bright yellow shirt with a blue uh, polo logo, and uh, Warriors fans have stopped him today to compliment Twice. on crazy. his wardrobe choice. Crazy. Uh, MK, as you know, coming from a Rocket fan perspective myself, and you being the uh, unbiased observer, uh, this is absolutely uh, a devastating loss for the Rockets. It's, it's weird for me to kind of process it because I think you and I clearly have had conversations previous to this because we talk a lot about about basketball and we were both of the opinion that this wasn't going to be made any easier because Durant wasn't playing. It's just going to be a different game for the Rockets in terms of how they handle things. And I thought really, and and the Warriors kind of references several of them post-game, they played like they played before Durant got here. A lot of ball movement, a lot of movement off the ball, a lot of passing, um, in and out of cuts. Um, just, just much more um, synchronicity in terms of how they played the game as opposed to, as Durant said, throwing it to KD, letting them get 40 on a whim. They're a different team. But the thing is, that different team won a championship before Durant arrived. I think they're, they're now 26-4 and four since Durant arrived, and he didn't play when Curry did play. They're fine. And I thought it was kind of weird to have so many people bond to this narrative of oh the Rockets got to win this it's going to be easier now without Durant it was never going to be a layup and it was never going to be easier it was just going to be different and again the one other thing you and I talked a lot about earlier in this series is at some point those splash brothers are going to show up and they showed up tonight Clay early Steph late Steph with 23 points in the fourth quarter after going scoreless in the first half just brilliant basketball by two guys who have played a lot of brilliant basketball over the last five seasons and really just more than the Rockets can handle. Um, a lot of the same bugaboos obviously hurt the Rockets tonight as they have in the series, Clint Capella being a no-show. Um, the bench, which I thought was really going to be an asset for this team throughout the postseason, not really doing much of anything, while Golden State's bench suddenly woke up and had 33 points. Um, the inability to get offensive, re- well, defensive rebounds, and then allowing Golden State multiple opportunities to score. Just a lot of little things that added up to um, a devastating loss for the fans of this franchise. And really, even for a p- person like me, who doesn't really care, um, I was kind of t- looking forward to somebody other than the Warriors winning a championship. And to me, the Rockets were the best team that provided that opportunity to stop them. They're gone again. 
I don't see anybody out there on the landscape that's going to beat this team. And I like history and I like dynasties, but seeing them win it again for the third time in a row and for the fourth time in five years is overkill. Just from, it's like too much. Yeah, from my perspective, it's a bit of overkill. Um, as someone who doesn't really consider himself a fan of the team or a, you know, a, a hater of the team, it's just overkill. It would have been interesting just to see what would have happened for the Rockets if they had won this series and what opportunities would have been falling in their lap after that. You know, I had um, we actually talked about this when the Rockets beat the Jazz, and we suspected they were going to face the Warriors. One of the things I mentioned and we, talk, we discussed was Durant is awesome. He's the best player on that team. But he really, as far as it comes to facing the Rockets, is a luxury. I feel like, and I, and I tweeted this when Durant got hurt, that I felt like he was the third most important player on the Warriors as far as as far as far defeating the Rockets. I feel like Draymond, even though he's by, by far not the best player on that team, is the number one most important player on that team for beating the Rockets. And then Curry, and then Durant. And I, tonight, I mean... It was everything that I expected it to be, that I feared it would be. They matched the Rockets by volume on three-pointers. They shot almost 43s, 38 to the Rockets, 39. They matched them there. The Rockets are not good enough by efficiency to beat a team that's a better shooting team and is going to match them by volume. Um, and as you mentioned, I mean, they just out-hustled. They moved the ball better um, than the Rockets. Uh, they got... The, offensive rebounds they had problems with guys like Looney you know they, they held Steph they did a fantastic job on Steph Curry in the first half it wasn't just Curry struggling they did a great job on him but they left guys like Iguodala wide open as a result of that and he made them pay I mean he had what five threes tonight um, I mean Iguodala a guy who's a 30 33 percent three-point shooter uh, he made them pay and of course Clay had a great first half and then Curry just took off in the, in the second half so I want to stress that this isn't the 2017 matchup against the Spurs. This isn't they lost Kawhi and it's this, and the Rockets, you know, completely laid an egg. That's not how I view it. Um, this was a very, very good team, and I'm not making excuses for the Rockets. This is an outstanding Warriors team. However, how the Rockets played down the stretch is what's going to linger and is going to raise questions and bring up the point that you know maybe this that's it that, that we've seen the peak it was last year we're slightly moved yeah, as you as you predicted then and slightly moved down a little bit this year but i thought that they were right there as good if not better than last year um just could not still get it done and they can't beat there's one team that they haven't been able to beat four times in the last five years i think there are two things i want to unpack here and i don't know how you felt about this but it's kind of weird that we're discussing this and I, i'm kind of reliving this game I didn't even really think about Durant. The Warriors are so familiar to me, and the group of players they had on the court are so routine in terms of how they play. I really didn't really think much about them. It was Clay, it was Steph, it was Draymond. We've seen that core together, Iggy, for so long that it felt quite normal to me to watch them play without 35 out there, which is strange to think about it, but he's always felt like an interloper. Like He's, he's kind of guy who hits his wagon to a championship roster, saw that and this is kind of right along. Obviously a fantastic player, but again, did they really ever need him? I don't think they needed him. They probably would have won another championship without him. Yeah. They've won two with him because he's incredible, and it's overkill, and someone else said, it's funny to use the word luxury, he's a luxury for them to have. He's a luxury item. You know, he's he's gold trim on, on the most expensive car in the world. Like, yeah. you don't really need him. And tonight, when you saw them play, I, again, maybe this is me, I didn't really think about him. It felt like I was just watching the Warriors that I've been watching for years and years and years. So there's that. 
the opportunity facing the Rockets is is it's it's going to eat at them because yes, I was one saying that their window had closed last year, and yes, they were a little bit worse this year compared to last year. But again, they're the best equipped team to beat the Warriors because they haven't done so doesn't mean they're a failure. I think they're just the best equipped team to beat them, and they can't quite beat them. And someone mentioned on Twitter tonight, it took LeBron being Superman one time in a four-year stretch to actually have someone to beat them. Otherwise, it's not going to happen, and I don't see it happening this postseason. So I know you're not going to get into this a little bit later on where they go next, but I don't know how you recover from this one when it's been four times in five years. You were right there last year, and injury prevented you from doing it last year. And this year, I just think not being good enough prevents you from doing it. Yeah. And, and um, if the Warriors are an A plus, the Rockets are an A minus, and that's a damn good score. But it's an A minus against an A plus, and yeah. they just can't get it done against this team. Yeah, it's uh, it's a crying shame. I mean, there's a lot. Of, I have a ton of thoughts. I mean, I think about being the fourth seed. You should have been the second seed. It wouldn't have mattered. You're, you're still, still going to play them. You're still going to face them. You're exactly right. And you're still going to lose. But you them. want them to to at least get as many battles in as possible before you face them. But again, that's not the reason they've. You know, lost the series or anything of that nature, but you, you want to go to the Western Conference Finals at least to get that chance before now. Um, Chris Paul, everybody buried him, basically put him in a coffin. He showed his ass up tonight. And he was fantastic tonight. Gives you a little, a small silver lining, a little bit of hope because everybody was saying, hey, you know, you've got $120 million more on, over the next three years. Oh, that's still onerous. Let's yeah. like, let's no, no, no. That's an onerous contract. You're exactly forward. right. But, do, you know, for the most part, he he had to stretch when he started out this year where he wasn't very good. He started to play pretty well, and then he kind of struggled in the playoffs. So, you know, I, I think there's still some optimism of how he'll play next year. I think no matter what, that contract's going to be bad when it comes down to the, the last couple of years. But I think most of us were alarmed by the fact that it looked that way at times in the first year. Um, but Chris Paul is probably the least of the Rockets' concerns right now. To me, Clint Capella is the biggest question mark that came out of this series. He wanted the Warriors, and I'm not going to say Clint Capella was was pounding his chest about it, but he just was up front and saying, yes, we want to face the best, we want to face the Warriors. Um, he was awful this series. He was awful today. Um, I think he played almost the entire fourth quarter, and in the fourth quarter alone was a negative 12, uh, maybe even negative 13. Um, and, I, you know, to me... Um, Clint Capella has been fantastic for the Rockets all year. Against 28 other teams, he's going to be just fine. He's exactly what the Rockets need. But whether they keep Kevin Durant or not next year, you've still got this problem of Clint Capella facing Draymond Green. I don't think it's going to matter if he just adds a little bit of bulk uh, or anything of that nature. He Draymond Green owned him in this series. I, I'm telling you, I think... The Rockets look at beating the Warriors as the number one priority. I think Clint Capella put himself on the trading block. I've got some thoughts on that, but I think that's a possibility. A team that has very few assets to improve, I think now you have to at least look at that possibility of if you can get a significant piece, Clint Capella is movable. Yeah, but you can't get too small. Like I think whatever piece you add, you still have to have a center capable of getting you rebounds when you need it. Like one of the Achilles heels for the scene. You ready for the my scene, theory, but I'll, I'll go yeah, ahead. The Achilles heels for the scene was their inability to rebound, um, particularly on the defensive end. It killed them through the course of the series. It killed them at key spots in the series. It made Kevin Looney feel like, Wilt Chamberlain, you and I are arguing in the post-game press conference about how many rebounds he had. It's amazing that he only had five. I can't believe that. Because it felt like he dominated this game 
because he was the big guy out there and the Rockets had nobody who can keep him off the glass this game and really the other night in, in game five. Um, I, I'm totally in favor of them playing a style of ball that suits their talent, but they need somebody who's viable as a big man to rebound and defend the rim. And to your point, Capella does that except when they're playing this particular team. And look, I'm a huge Draymond fan for his ability to play defense in this league at his size and really even tonight to rebound, just owning the glass. Um, I don't see where that changes for the Rockets if, if Capella's still here. Like They're going to have that same problem with that matchup because Draymond's not going anywhere. To your point, the Warriors understand how integral he is and how important he is to what they do. So who can you bring in here? And I know you've been chomping at the bit to get on this. Who are you going to add to this team that – allows them to still play the way they play, rim run, dunking, alley-oops, all that stuff, but still can be a decent enough threat to deal with Draymond Green when the moment arrives next season where these two teams play again because I'm of the, the opinion that the Rockets are still the second-best team in the West, and if nothing catastrophic happens to them next season, we could very much see them playing the Warriors again in the postseason next year with or without KD, and you're going to still see the same result because I think the Warriors are just a better team than they are right now. You know, and it's tough because the Nuggets are going to be better next year, you would think. Uh, again, theoretically, the, the Blazers are going to be better next year. You know, who knows what happens with OKC, the Jazz. I mean, you know, I, it's, up, it's tough to say. But my, my feeling is this. The Rockets are always seeking out value. They're not going to add a guy who's worth the mid-level at the mid-level. They're seeking better than that value at the mid-level. You know what I'm saying? So the way I look at it, is and the reason I think Capella could become expendable, and again, I want to point out this is just my theory, is you look at DeAndre Jordan, a guy who's from Houston, a guy who plays has played with Chris Paul, would absolutely love to be here under the right circumstances. I'm sure he's talked a good game about recruiting players to New York, but they're going to need that cap room from him. I can't see him necessarily being back. We'll see. And if all things being equal, he doesn't get better offers than that. I could see the Rockets seeking that kind of player that then makes clint expendable again i'm way out here in speculationville but to me that's uh, a way of adding a similar type player at a lesser contract and getting value for a young player and, and going all in again because i think what this game did if anything else it showed that the rockets still have to build to beat the warriors with or without kd because they can't do it either way um clay and Steffer and, and draymond is just that, that core is yeah, enough, to, enough yeah, to, to, to give them problems. Iguodala is going to get older, but still he's he's playing very effectively. Um, Sean Livingston, Kevon Looney's not going anywhere. I mean, they have pieces that can help them still be better than the Rockets. They can still create that space, just enough of a space. And Clay mentioned that tonight. Like, there's a dogfight. He had a lot of respect for this Rockets team. This series could have gone either way. But when it came down to making winning plays, it was the Warriors who did it enough to win four games as opposed to the Rockets doing it enough to win two. And I think you're absolutely right. Like, I'm not disagreeing with you on what needs to be done. And if you've talked this talk about our entire focus is about beating one team, then you need to go all in and beat that one team while that window is still cracked, while Harden is still on the right side of 30, even though he will be third next year, while Chris Paul will now maybe be 65% of what he was at his peak next season, while you still have the pieces around them to be viable. Um, it's not good enough right now, and if, if you feel like DeAndre Jordan's the guy who at least won't cower at the presence of Draymond Green in the middle, then that's your guy and make it happen. 
you would hate to see long term. It's funny coming here is coming from you because you and I battled all year about them giving up future assets, future assets, and Clint's the young guy. He's the one young guy on his team, and you're going to give him up to flip him for somebody who's five, six years older. That means you're all in right now, yeah. and after that, but you yeah, have you're to done-zo. Don't you have to be all in? You can't, I agree. You can't say yeah. to yourself, hey, come, we're, we need Clint Capella because we need him in five years. I mean, uh, James Harden is, is age-wise, I, I, I don't know, I have to compare. He's linked to Clay. He's linked to, to Curry. Those guys are going to decline, you would think, roughly at the same time. I mean, he, he has to beat those guys yeah. unless they completely break up the band. Um, you know, and, and we're, we're going to talk about D'Antoni. We're going to talk about Harden. But, but I, I think that's, I mean, I think Capella played poorly enough that D'Antoni even addressed it afterwards saying, hey, I think Clint's a classy guy. When, when he goes to the classy guy I mean, description, he's yeah, he's, he's severely disappointed. He is severely disappointed. And he talked about how he's going to get better. He's only 25. He's going to get stronger. It's his soft way of saying, yeah, he absolutely sucked yeah, in this punk. series. Um, and, and we know it. I mean, I think there's certain things that Draymond does that takes him out of the game, and it's not entirely Clint's fault. But, man, there were plenty of instances – I mean, like tonight, we're even late in the game where I thought I thought Clint got fouled. But at the same time, it was just him and Draymond, and he had a wide-open dunk, and somehow Draymond got his hands. Maybe he got his, his arm and wrist. I need to take a look at the replay. But he completely blocked Capella. Capella throws it out of bounds, goes the other way. It, to me, that, that that can't happen. I mean, you're too big, you're too long to, to, to have that happen to a guy like 6'7". Uh, Draymond Green blocking you. Uh, that, that to me was an incredibly weak play, and, and, and you pointed out immediately that was just soft. Um, so to me, I think that's what's jumping out of the page to me. Those three guys, Harden, Paul, and, and Capella, have been fantastic together. But if you can get, just like they've done with Ariza replacing Parsons or somebody replacing Ariza, if you can get 85% of Clint and then use Clint to get something even more helpful to you, and you can go out and look at like a Bradley Beal or. You know, you can dream about an Anthony Davis. That's not going to happen. But something along those lines where you can now have some assets to trade, uh, then, you know, that might change things. And that's, in my opinion, exactly the kind of thinking that Daryl Moore is going to do because they can't just add a little piece and, and hope to run it back and do this thing again. God, run it back. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? i, I got to ask you about Harden because he's obviously getting killed right now. Chris Paul had a great game. What did you think of Harden's performance in this game? Is it fair that he's blasted? No, I think he was fine. Um, it's weird, and and we've kind of gone down this road before too. Like I don't think he's gotten to a point yet. Maybe he'll never get to that point, obviously, where he's elevating his game in the postseason. It feels like it, tonight felt like a very hardened game. You know, thirty six points, a handful of turnovers, um, some missed shots when you wanted him to make some shots. The only thing that was odd was the missed free throws. Um, it felt like a routine game, and I think the the theory is superstars play at a higher level in a postseason. And he hasn't done that. He's either played below the regular season level or at the regular season level. And I don't recall him having these these transcendent postseason games to where what we saw tonight for number 30 for the Warriors, where he was terrible in the first half and then scored 33 in the second half and 23 in the fourth quarter. Like, you need Harden to do some things like that and not score zero in the first half, but really just go bananas in the fourth quarter to carry you home to a victory. And he doesn't do that, but he put up 35 and an eight. You think, oh. You're taking a step back, that's a good game. Yeah. Watching it, it felt ordinary. And, again, I don't think we want ordinary out of him. But he'll be 30 years old in August. Like, this is who he is, Dave. Like, he's he's a good, good, great player who doesn't get greater in the postseason. He kind of maintains his level. And I don't know what kind of player you can pair him with that's going to make anything different. Like, Chris Paul, 
is as competitive as they come. A Hall of Famer, dogged in his approach, and he doesn't seem like he's able to get James to that next level in terms of, of productivity in a postseason. So this is what it's going to be. I don't think you need to kill James for his performance tonight. For what, six turnovers? He's done that a billion times. Um, five missed free throws, that was kind of rare. He missed some shots in the fourth quarter, but that happens as well, too. He made big shots and kept them in the game when they needed them. Um, he kept them afloat throughout the course of this series when Clint was nowhere to be found and Chris Paul was playing like he was 45 instead of you know approaching 35 next season. So you can't have it both ways. You can't look at a very micro view and kill Harden when the macro view is he's kept you alive throughout the course of the season and played very well at spots in the postseason. I just don't think he's a transcendent postseason player, and that's going to irritate a lot of people for the rest of his days. Yeah, um, I agree with some of what you're saying. I, I, um, I, I actually I agree with all the points that you're saying about they're here because of him, they're successful because of him. All the praise the Warriors give about how tough and and great uh, this Rocket team is um, is in large part because of Harden and how good he is. Um, and maybe it's because of the backdrop of Clay and Curry hitting three dagger three pointers, just you know, incredible clutch shots. But Harden made some mistakes down the stretch. Um, you know, from the six-minute mark to the three-minute mark, we noted Rockets missed eight straight shots. I think Harden missed three of those. Um, and, you know, they, they went from a, a tie game to a five-point uh, Warrior lead. He had that one turnover where, granted, Draymond flopped, but Harden stuck his little chicken wing out there. Um, two it, and a half minutes. It, it was a flop, though. It, it absolutely was a flop. But still, it's just, you know, it's an unfortunate turnover. And then the one, I can't remember if it was after a three or what have you, but the um, Warriors hit a big shot. And then he, you know, late in the game, I think it might have been, I can't remember if it was Clay's or, or one of Curry's threes. And Harden immediately turns it over in the passing and the inbound. And to me, you know, I, I think it maybe also was in contrast to late in the game when, when the Rockets were pretty much out of it. He just attacked the basket. Some of the defense had changed a little bit, but he just attacked the basket because they had no other choice. I felt like that was lacking some in the fourth. I felt like he needed to be more aggressive, especially with Draymond fighting foul trouble. I wanted to see Harden attack the basket more. Uh, It's just maybe it's just because of, like I said, the backdrop of how big the Warriors came up and hitting those shots. the, The Rockets, they faltered down the stretch. Um, I think it's to an extent an unfair comparison to compare his shooting to Curry and Clay. Okay, that's true. That's they're true. legendary shooters, and Hard is not a legendary shooter. He's a great scorer, and with that comes him missing a ton of three pointers sometimes, and you just dealing with it. I don't disagree with his your, your statement about him being more aggressive and getting to the rim. He seems like he picks and chooses his moments, and sometimes I wish he would pick those moments a little bit more frequently to get to the rim, um, particularly when. I don't think Draymond was really that assertive tonight in, in protecting the rim against Harden as he had been previously in this series. Look, I, I guess at this point, I've watched Harden for, what, seven years now? Like, I've kind of grown accustomed to his warts and the things that he... I, I will still, you know, flinch up there when I think he's too slow initiating the offense, but by and large, I think he is what he is as a player. And expecting him to shoot to the level of Kurt and the Spice Brothers, it's not going to happen. He's not that, that, that right. caliber of shooter. Um, to expect his decision making to improve dramatically at this stage of his career, I don't think that's going to happen either. Like when, when D'Antoni got here and put the ball in his hands and converted him into this kind of hybrid point guard, I think the reality is he's not a point guard. He has great passing skills, but I think a lot of the minutia that comes to wearing that, that playing that position aren't quite there with him. And you see it a lot of times in, in critical situations where he's either pausing or delaying or making bad turnovers at bad times. Because I don't think, by his nature, that's who he is as a player. 
he's been able to morph and play that role because he's a dynamic player, but he's not a true point guard. And it, every now and then, I don't want to say it kills them, it undermines what the Rockets are trying to do by having the ball in his hands so much. Yeah, I, I, I agree with some of those points. And I, I, like I said, I'm not disappointed with the Rockets. This is not, to me, the 2017 Spurs game. It's not. This is not a massive disappointment to simply lose to a team this good. It's just massive disappointment the way they closed, the way they just had it in their grasp, or never could get quite get over the hump. And because of not just Harden's warts, but some of the other warts that were in the game, like as mentioned, Capella um, not being able to play some guys, Daniel House, that's very frustrating. I mean, there were people picking Daniel House to be an X factor in this series, didn't even play after the first couple of games. Um, you know, it, it's, I mean, this summer is going to be full of questions. You've got no draft picks. Um, you know, you don't have cap room. You're going to have to find creative ways to improve this roster. Um, it's going to be a tough job for Daryl Morey, no doubt. Let me ask you about D'Antoni. Did you think his performance was sufficient? Is this a guy you keep around? I don't see why you move him. I'm same way. Yeah. I, but there's a lot of people right now who feel he's... Yeah, he's it's, it's weird. I, have, I had a conversation with somebody. Um, I can't remember who it was. And, and they're like, I wish he yelled and screamed and did all these things more. And I'm like, that's not going to affect the, the play of the team. Like, I, I don't – we get to a it's point – not going to recharge me. Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, I think people kind of – and I get it. Like, they're emotional and are looking for things to blame and, and ways to react. And, and, and D'Antoni's demeanor is very laid back and, you know, kind of, you know, placid and all these sort of things. And I think it rubs people the wrong way in moments like these. Like, they want this fire and brimstone, and that's not going to change anything. Like, it's the, the, the performance of the team – it's not going to be altered by the coach yelling and screaming and dropping profanities. This is not going to happen. I think the issue here is they're playing a team that is better than them. And uh, when you accept that, then you kind of analytically say, how can we become better than that team and not go through this rigmarole of it being the coach or being this. It's not D'Antoni. Like, his system is fine. They've had a great deal of success against the Warriors with or without Durant. They just haven't gotten over the hump. And I don't think moving him – improves their station I agree. Uh, against the Warriors. they got to find a better personnel to improve their station against the Warriors. And I think D'Antoni's quite capable of leading them past that that team if his players are better. I agree with you. Uh, just you know, going down the list, obviously Tucker, G- Gordon's got one more year remaining. Uh, Tucker is still under contract. Capella's got the big deal left. Chris Paul, three years, massive deal left. Yikes. James Harden is, is your anchor. I mean, people who, you know, there are select minorities saying trade Harden, you know, get first-round picks for him, blah, blah, blah. That's not going to happen. James Harden's still the anchor. Shumpert's gone. I can't see him coming back um, next year. I don't think the money's going to be there to, to bring him back unless they're going to will, willing to blow up the, the um, you know, the gold luxury tax for him. And I don't know if he, he, he played a, a significant enough role to do that. Uh, Austin Rivers was fantastic in this series. Really, they probably could have used him in Game One again. Not an excuse for losing the series, but they certainly could have used him because he had that kind of an impact here. Um, but again, it's about value, and to, to keep him, unless he's willing to take like a vet minimum type of deal uh, or something small below his market value, you know, you're going to be using your mid-level, and that's that's your your off-season for the most part, other than trades. So, I'm not sure if he's going to be back. I think that's a tough one. Um, Gerald Green, I think, is going to be in the exact same boat. You want to take the minimum? Yeah, okay, we'll bring you back. If not, no, because, you know, to me, I, I was painfully frustrated watching him play in this series. I felt like we were learning the same lesson. I mean, we were tweeting about this in game one of this series. He's unplayable against this team. You can't do it. Um, he hit a couple of big threes in the first half. It helped them overcome an eight-point deficit, and they tied it at half. But he was awful in the second half. I, 
I thought he was completely unplayable. I think he comes back if you're able to give him a minimum. You'll have Gary Clark back. Kenneth Freed's probably gone. Um, and that's uh, going down the list. And has got one year left. I don't know if he plans to retire or what ha- what have you there. But the, Ro- the Rockets are going to look quite a bit different. It, it, oh, I'm sorry. It led me to the guy I wanted to bring up, and that's Daniel House. He, he turned down the three-year, um, you know, basically league minimum deal. He's going to probably get a little bit more from somebody else. You can't pay significant dollars to somebody who was completely unplayable in the series, can you? No, you can't. And, and I don't want to boil it down to one series. And I think I kind of chastised you at some point early in the postseason about, you know, boiling his value down to the postseason performances. But I think they have to really take a long look at where they are financially before committing to him. Uh, I think he fits how they play. His style of play is, is a very good fit for the Rockets do. But not having him show up at all in the postseason does make you raise an eyebrow. It makes you wonder what he's going to be moving forward because really he's not that young of a player. He's in his mid-20s already. So like he, he's kind of set in terms of how he's going to be as a player. There's room to grow and develop, but not significant room to grow and develop. He's not going to become a, a superstar in the next couple of years. He's going to be a serviceable NBA player. Man, I, disappointment's too strong a word, but I really thought they had put together a terrific bench full of veterans that are going to help the squad in the postseason. And, man, a lot of those guys just disappointed me. Um, you know, Fareed giving them nothing. Um, Gerald Green was really pretty bad most of the season. And, and I don't know how they, they commit to him beyond anything, like you said, a minimum. Um, Shepard didn't really give him much of anything. No. Rivers was the one guy they added that was consistently pretty good. Yeah. And that shocks me. So if I'm feeling shocked, I wonder how the front office is thinking about it. Like, you know, we made these moves to kind of, you know, undergird our starters with some veteran guys who have been here before, and it didn't work out. So I don't know how you fill the roster around that core group you mentioned earlier. What's the right way to go about doing things? Younger players aren't ready. These older players didn't do it for you. They have a long kind of haul to look at in terms of making the moves necessary to, again, beat the one team they need to beat in that Golden State. Yeah, and, and you know, you're right. Coming into this series, the Rockets, if anyone who thought the Rockets were going to beat the Warriors, they were looking at the, the improved depth that they could rely on certain guys. And by game three, we were back to D'Antoni can only trust seven players. Yeah. And and that's, you know, going into next year, they've got, the Rockets got their, their core five, if you want to call them, that Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, Clint Capella, James Harden, Chris Paul, um, I assume that in a best case, go at, seek after stars scenario, they're they're dangling Gordon, who's got one year left, uh, and Capella, and you know hoping to add a replacement for the other guy that they don't add acquire in the star uh, as a star package um, via their their mid level exception. But I tell you, MK, this is un- not like last year. This is much more painful. This mo- feels a little bit more final. Like they're going to need something drastic to keep up with the Joneses and um, it's not it's not going to be just adding uh, little pieces here and there they've got to make I think something happen and that's that's Daryl's job this summer I don't know what that one thing is <laughs> I really don't I, mean, I throw out names like Beal I, I, you know Butler if he leaves Tobias Harris if he leaves what, I mean, what, what, signing trades <laughs> did I hear Jimmy Butler come out of your mouth well obviously we've had de- that debate um, but I mean if you're able to get him under a contract when we talked about acquiring them you're talking about giving up key pieces I mean let's be honest PJ Tucker was very key in this series as mm-hmm. far as you know how he played I, I think at that time when they were offering four first round picks it was also if they took on Brandon Knight and Marquise Chris it was a little bit different scenario and they didn't do it obviously it would have been fantastic if they did um, 
But I don't. I mean, I could see a team like Washington being interested in Concapella if you want to look at Bradley Beal. I could see, um, you know, like I said, Butler. I, I don't think you can get involved in any kind of, you know, Kawhi or Anthony Davis type of talks because you don't have enough pieces to interest those teams. But if those guys are walking. Um, you know, you never know. Daryl's certainly going to stoke the fires on everything, but I think that something out there could be had that they could, that they could you know, Im- make an improvement as far as their top three best players and then fill the void of the pieces they lost via their MLE. But again, we're, all, we're speculating at this point. We're just picking up the pieces after this just blew up right here on this floor. Um, and it, I, I just think this is going to be the longest offseason because they just don't have, they don't have the picks. They don't have the, um, the, the the assets to trade. Um, they're going to have to be extremely creative if they want to improve this team. I, I will say this, though. Daryl's always been very creative. And, and, and as difficult as it looks right now, he's found ways to make odd things happen. So yeah. I will give him the benefit of doubt until I see him do nothing, and he's never been one to do nothing. Um, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be strenuous. But he seems quite capable of making something happen out of nothing because he's done it previously. So what's in store for you this summer? Are you uh, covering the Astros, obviously? I can actually shift into a, a baseball frame of mine. It's been weird being there for the first month of the season and not really being into it because there was a part of me that thought the Rockets were going to make this extended run and kind of preparing yourself mentally for what if they get past Golden State? What if they're in the finals for the first time in a long, long time? And it was in the back of my mind. I felt like they were capable. Um, they weren't. So now you kind of shift your gears <laughs> and get ready to follow a team that may win a World Series again. Yeah. Um, that's going to be exciting. But otherwise... Uh, Keeping a keeping a, de- a distant eye on what what Maury does with this team in all season because it's going to be offered it's going to be full of a lot of injury. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, movie season that's what we'll be kicking into as well. But I tell you, I, you know, I got to be honest, I was really pretty geeked, uh, or I was I should say disappointed when I when I saw earlier in the game that Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones was here. <laughs> yeah. I was totally geeked out, and when when they lost, I was almost embarrassed. Like, man, we lost in front of Daenerys of <laughs> of Game of Thrones. I thought that was really disappointing. And I also have to point out that you know, starting with this series, the Rockets started. Pro- Providing a full spread of sandwiches at halftime, and, and you're loving this story. And I was like, "This is the greatest thing ever!" Like, you got, you can make all these, you know, sandwiches, all these cold cuts, everything. I mean, I wanted the Rockets to win this series just so I could get a couple more sandwiches <laughs> at minimum, you know. Um, and so I, I don't think we'll be seeing that until another Rockets Warriors series because we didn't see that Rockets Jazz series. But uh, hey, thank you guys for listening to the podcast during the playoffs. Obviously, this is not, um, you know, the most uplifting podcast. Uh, kind of depressing after. A very, very tough loss. A lot of people disappointed in Houston right now. Um, but you hold on to some hope. I mean, the team, the core is still very talented. Uh, hopefully, Chris Paul doesn't decline too much. I still believe Chris Paul, while not going to be a great contract, is not going to be along the lines of a Russell Westbrook or somebody who relies entirely on athleticism. He's got the smarts for the game. He's got the IQ for the game. Um, but you are going to see a, a, a decline in, in some of this, that step. But um, we'll be back here next uh, season with the podcast. And uh, until then, man, thanks so much for doing this. Thank you, Dave.